You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve and returning special guests, Jersey Ghouls, Marissa, Jackie, say hello, explain what you do. Hey everybody, I'm Jackie. And I'm Marissa. And we're the Jersey Ghouls. We have a fangirl feminist horror podcast where we talk about film and culture and everything horror. Yeah, that's, that's about it. And how you used to work at Hollywood Video, and it was awesome. Yeah. (laughs) What I still maintain is the best job I'll ever have. Yeah. I worked at Hollywood Video for about two weeks before it shut down. (laughs) (laughs) They hired me. They went through the process. And then about my third day, they're like, oh, by the way, um, it turns out we're going to close this store. I was like, what? Why did you hire me? (laughs) I know. It's weird to think that they didn't know that was coming. No, they didn't. They had no idea. Ah, that's devastating. Yeah, I miss those days, man. I wish I could find like my employee like write up file because if I had a nickel for every time I got in trouble for showing Dawn of the Dead at like noon on a Saturday, oh, good times. (laughs) Yeah, we had the restriction where what was it like from open to I think like five in the afternoon, we could play only Disney movies, like only Disney cartoon, Disney classics were the only thing we were allowed to play. And we didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, boo on that. <laughs> you should have just played like, you know, Felix the Cat. Like, eh, it's a cartoon, close enough. Yeah, we'll play Cool World. It's kind of a cartoon. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, oh, man. I don't that know movie. why that was the one that popped in my head. I could have gone Roger Rabbit, but for some reason, I went Cool World. No, no. Yeah, you, you got to. You got Brad Pitt, and you've got crazy cartoons. I, I, that movie still just blows my mind. But uh, here's another movie that blows my mind. Uh, a 1995 gym. <laughs> Congo, where you are the endangered species. Activate the remote. In the race for the world's most advanced communications technology... A shocking discovery has been made. What was that? Lock your remote. Give me a thermal reading result to 6-6. It will take two young scientists into the heart of the African jungle. Where a secret hidden for 2,000 years holds the key to the future. This is Karen Ross. 81452 Houston, do you read? You used to work for the CIA, and now you're travel cool. Some will come to it for science. This is a big deal, Charles. This is a big find. Some for fortune. A diamond mine of incredible bounty. And some to return home. She doesn't really belong anywhere, does she? No, she belongs here. Together, they will search. My boss, he thought I wasn't going to make it. He sent another expedition. Drawn deep into a mystery. Camp destroyed, people dead, a gray gorilla. No such thing as a gray gorilla. I saw one. And the more they discover... The same hieroglyphics over and over. The greater the danger. What do they say? 
We are watching you. Help me! Help me! Ah! Never saw an animal move like that. Shoot it! Shoot it! How intelligent are they? See, they're smart. They're too damn smart. Watch out! Go! We're getting out of here. What about them? Put them on the endangered species list. From the best-selling novel by the author of Jurassic Park. The myth of the killer ape is true. Congo, where you are the endangered species. This is so 90s. This movie just is kind of like a representation of right before I went into high school. So I feel like this is like one of my last movies of junior high or middle school. What are they calling it now? Is it a junior high still? No, it's middle school. Okay. Well, back in my day, (laughs) it was junior high. This was like one of the last ones I remember. And then like high school was forging in with Independence Day. So I did watch this quite a bit. I definitely rented it. I kind of lost a little bit of the likeness for it and now that i rewatched it as an adult i was like what's going on so that's kind of why i invited you two on here because you love it yes i I do i do i legitimately love this movie i think it's everything that was right about the 90s oh well tim curry (laughs) (laughs) number one number two like the really corny catchphrases that they don't do anymore and like but this one had the um put them on the endangered species list and then like independence earth i would be like welcome to earth like why don't they do those anymore i miss those yeah, I know. Uh, you know what? They kind of got away from that. They have gone more realistic after the Matrix, and then maybe we'll get them back. Uh, but you know, there's never going to be another Arnold of the '80s, and I don't think there's going to be another Will Smith. I don't know. The Rock. You think he would be the next Will Smith? But I don't know if he's full of catchphrases. He's just really quick and witty. Yeah, I think I think you're right that the lack of catchphrase, like it's just not what's appealing anymore. And it just, I guess, prove that, you know, the youth is just everything that's wrong with this country. <laughs> yeah, it's like they don't even know what they're missing. Millennials. I mean, <laughs> what are we going to do with them? Even though I am technically one of them. <laughs> are, wait a minute. Are we, what, what's the cutoff for millennials? Oh, we're fine. We're are we okay? Yeah, we're good. Okay. That's, well, I think it's, it's 81, right? Is that? Oh, wait, no, then we're millennials. Oh, no, we can't be millennials. Because, yeah, we're all 81, aren't we? I will not. I, I'm 82. Okay. I don't. No, we're like in. We're those zennials. We're not. No, I refuse to accept it. <laughs> well, I, I. I mean, I was before the internet. We all were. Yeah. So that's kind of like I. I always considered us like we're like grandpa millennials. <laughs> we're oh, I'll like take that. grandma yeah. and grandpa millennials. You know, as long as I can still stand on my lawn and shake my fist at the clouds, then yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that visual was amazing. <laughs> Get your cell phone out of my yard. If I find it here one more time, I'm keeping it. It's mine. It's mine now. This is mine now. <laughs> Why are these kids throwing their cell phones? They're so expensive. <laughs> Who remembers eating Taco Bell? Now you can see all the excitement and adventure of the Congo in your local theater. Or you can taste it at Taco Bell. 
Introducing the Volcano Burrito, piled high with seasoned beef, beans, rice, a blend of three cheeses, and flowing with fiery red sauce. If you're hungry for excitement, get the new Volcano Burrito at Taco Bell. But hurry, at just 99 cents, a taste eruption like this won't be active for long. Yeah, so nothing says mid-90s to me like Taco Bell, because that, those were the days when my body could handle Taco Bell. Like, now I can't even think about it without getting a stomachache. <laughs> it's pure regret. <laughs> it really is. Tastes like regret. They, and you know what? They had a lot of nerve to play with the word eruption, if you ask me. <laughs> That's pretty good. I remember they were advertising, like, the volcano burrito. Yeah, they, they had a lot of nerve. My question is, they advertise the burrito with the volcano red sauce. That's a really vague title. What's in volcano red sauce? A special blend of death. <laughs> I don't know. It's It will kill your entire intestines. I, yeah, I don't remember actually eating it. It's a nice blend of jalapenos, despair, and hopelessness, I believe. Yeah. I definitely didn't eat it. I ha- I'm was as a kid and to this day still am one of like I'm a super picky eater where there's like three things at like every restaurant that I'll eat and that's the only thing I'll ever get. So like I've only ever been like the taco supreme and like those little like I said those little twisty goo cinnamon things. That's it. You know, if something has beans on it, I'm out. I'm not playing games with it. So I certainly never have gotten a burrito. I have never eaten it. I I just remember going in and being like, hi, taco, done. I'm out. Jackie, you've said some white shit in your days, but that is the whitest thing you've ever said. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As your Latino friend, I'm kind of offended. Right? Do I get, do I get, but do I get a participation trophy for that one? <laughs> Everyone does. Don't be ridiculous. Um, yeah, no, it's weird that that Congo and Taco Bell teamed up so nicely. Who knew? Who knew? And they also had toys, which blew my mind because I don't remember them at all. I vaguely remembered the toys, but not anything concrete. I just, for some reason, I have a memory of like walking down the aisle at Toys R Us and being like, "Hey, Congo toys," but that's all I got. Well, they were probably in the dollar store immediately. <laughs> hey, fuck off. I would pay good money for them right now. <laughs> yeah, nowadays they they probably – you could still probably get them for, I don't know, 15, 20 bucks. A dollar I don't, So uh, next, next time I see you in New Jersey, Philadelphia area, you're going to be like, Steve, look at all the Congo toys I got. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow, you're the only person in the world who wanted these. <laughs> All right, let's get into the quick facts of this. This was directed by Frank Marshall, the man who produced Indiana Jones and Jurassic Park. And then I guess one day he's like, you know what? I can do what Spielberg did. So he directed Congo. And uh, producing it and helping him produce it was his wife, Kathleen Kennedy, which is interesting. What a power couple inside the movie industry. Wait, why do I know that name? Kathleen Kennedy? Yeah. Uh, She's with uh, Steven Spielberg. She basically oh. produces everything he does, but you know, also Star Wars now, mm-hmm. and she's just she's just a big player. Okay, yeah, she I might think- be the biggest producer in Hollywood right now. Yeah, like I said, I remembered the the name was recognition, but I couldn't connect her to anything. Yeah, she's been going for a really long time. Yeah, her agenda is in like every big epic franchise ever, including all of what Disney does now. 
Yeah, she's just really good at, I guess, uh, juggling everything that it takes to to make a movie. Not all of her movies are hits, but the movies that are really massive hits, she always seems to be a part of. Just saying it's especially impressive because she's a female who's been killing it since like the 70s in Hollywood. So she's got my props. Yeah, she's just a, a power player that, yeah, I, I, you know, I never, because she's been part of the Hollywood fabric for such a long time, I forget that she's a woman doing all this. I, I don't know if that makes any sense. Because uh, I just see her as like, oh, man, she's like the queen of Hollywood. Yeah, I get that because it's like her gender. It doesn't matter. She's a great producer. She's successful. And I guess that's kind of like the ultimate dream, you know, where it's like, yeah, okay, fine. Male director, male producer, female, whatever. Like we can take the gender out of it because we're all on an equal playing field. So, yeah, that's we'll look at that like an ultimate dream. Yeah. T- yeah. T- yeah. T- yeah. <laughs> A hop, skip, and a Harvey Weinstein fondle away from that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't uh, say it was like a dream we were going to attain tomorrow. I just said it's an ultimate dream eventually. We'll get there. <laughs> Every time Harvey Weinstein is mentioned, I, I, it's like shudders right down my spine. How yeah. disgusting. He seems like he's a character from a Tromaville movie. <laughs> so true. <laughs> <laughs> He should just be in the next. They should make another Toxic Avenger, and he's just like the disgusting glob over the. You know what? I bet Lloyd Kaufman would do that. Come on, Lloyd, get on this. I know you listen <laughs> to us. It is based on a book by Michael Crichton, the man. He was so hot in the 90s. He's so hot right now. Yeah. No, did you guys read this book by any chance? No, but when I found out that it was based on a book like two, what, a week ago, I, uh, I, put it on my list to go to the library and go get it. So I will read this book. The library. What is that? Yeah, I, It's that free place around the corner from my house that gives me books all the time. It's amazing. <laughs> oh man. I, I love how many kids probably never go to the library. I've never been made to go in it. <laughs> we don't even call the libraries anywhere. Now we have to market them as media centers. That's how we lure the children. <laughs> Ooh, nice. That's how you trick them, eh? Right. And then when, when they get there, there's books. <laughs> um, what, are these, what are these heavy things that hurt my back? <laughs> no, the book was is definitely way different. Definitely very Michael Crichton in, in that it falls into all the like technology stuff and the monkey stuff so much more thoroughly than the movie. Um, and if like any good geek in the 90s who would never get laid, I read all of his books and I loved them. But um, this movie definitely, truthfully, does not do it any justice. Yeah, I heard that there was a much more explanation of the, I don't know, angry white apes at the end of how they may, may have been genetically produced, like kind of like with ape human DNA. Is that true at all? Or did I just yeah. make, did the internet make that up? No, no, it's true. It's kind of like they almost hint at the like, I mean, it's been a minute for me, but I believe it's like the corporation has something to do with the creation of the evil apes. Or John Hammond. (laughs) John Hammond just comes in here. (laughs) Oh, that'd that'd have been great, though, if uh, (laughs) it just we would have looked in the back and it's John Hammond with a bunch of like scientists. Like, damn it, John. You never <laughs> think about any of these repercussions. And then one of the monkeys like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> there's, yeah, there's there's like a gorilla that's got like the Hawaiian shirt and the glasses on. It's just so very Nedry. <laughs> 
Uh, now I want to watch Jurassic Park. Yeah. <laughs> now I knew Michael Crichton came up with this, uh, or he wanted to do this movie somewhere in the late seventies. But once he found out that he couldn't use live apes, he was like, "Nah, I don't want any part of this." And because uh, apparently he was thinking about Sean Connery as the lead, hmm. as the lead ape. And I was thinking, no, no, as the um, <laughs> yes, that would be amazing. <laughs> Sean Connery as Amy. <laughs> No, uh, he was going to be Ernie Hudson's character as Captain uh, Monroe Kelly. And I was like, oh, that would have been nice in the the 70s. A white man telling all these Africans what to do. I'm sure that would have played well. Uh, So I was like, ugh. I think that's why they got Ernie Hudson. Really? I think it is. I think they wanted a a woman to be the uh, leader, kind of like, because... Dylan Walsh, who is Peter Elliott, our lead, I'm doing quotation lead man, is basically wet wonder bread. Oh, yeah. I, so I'm like, okay, they, they got Lauren Linney to be uh, a tough-ass character who's a woman, and then they got Ernie Hudson, a black man who's actually, you know, in Africa, who, who's like, even though he is British, I think. I, I just think in the mid-90s, they were trying really hard to, you know, be woke, they're like, you know, we're not just going to have a bunch of white guys who are doing this. And they made the lead white guy, you know, Wonder Bread. I don't know if that was on purpose or as I like to call him, fake Steve Gutenberg. Oh, my God. He is the yeah. poor man, Steve Gutenberg. Anytime guys, uh, like, grow out their hair when it's curly like that, I, I just, like, I can't, I, I can't get behind it. <laughs> I just can't do it. I, I mean, ugh, I don't know. <laughs> He's like a pop star. Like, he's so non-threatening and, like, girly. And you, like, can't help. And he's, like, in love with an ape. And it's all so creepy and wonderful. Like, for 1995 me, it was all very not threatening And I liked it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, that guy, you would invite him right into your house. and be like, hi, uh, I, I don't have any money. I need $5 to get on the bus. You'd be like, here's $5. Want to spend the night? I mean, this guy's just <laughs> like, you're not going to do anything to me. Oh, I want $5 to spend the night. <laughs> Uh, you know, Lauren, this is not that kind of show i forget oh, <laughs> oh no I, I was just like i'm gonna let that sit <laughs> uh laura lenny as karen ross she's a badass she's crazy in this movie she's rambo i love love how aggressive she was because there are times when like shit hits the fan and she doesn't eat like she takes that split second to think about her action and then boom does it like there's zero hesitation and it's funny because the it, it there's like a role reversal where she just she thinks or she doesn't think she just acts and it seems like the men around her are the ones you know thinking and are a bit more emotional and agreed like she's rambo when she starts shooting the heat seeking you know fucking little missiles out of the air with a flare gun yeah there there's there's a girl power moment right there yeah yeah and i was i was really trying to figure out i was like i wonder if that would work (laughs) I, I mean, I, I'll never test it because uh, if someone's shooting a missile at me, I would have had that parachute on immediately. <laughs> I am jumping out of that plane. I ain't going down like that. <laughs> yeah, no, she's such a badass. And in the mid-90s, there were definitely there was definitely a, a good market uh, for lady badasses because there weren't many of them around. 
No. I mean, we're obviously now we're getting more and more, but we had, I can only think, I'm sure there's a lot of them, but uh, Ripley, I remember she was always a badass, but uh, that, that is interesting. Who would win in a fight, Laura Linney or uh, Ripley? Hmm. I think it's going to have to be Ripley for me. Oh, yeah, all day. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. My only, my only hesitation, I they're so equally matched. I was going to say that Laura Linney's character is so quick on her feet that like she might get an upper hand, but I don't know. I'm going to call, I'm going to call it a draw and just say that that's a fight that I'd like to say. Wow. <laughs> oh, that's the next maybe, fight club. And, <laughs> maybe in mud. I don't know. Oh, Jackie. <laughs> It had to go that way with you. I knew it. Hey, I didn't say like wet t-shirt. I just said mud wrestling. I don't know. We'll see. This is why we can't have nice things. (laughs) (laughs) Because Balls came to the party. Greatest screen name for a podcast ever. (laughs) Uh, And then number two, I already mentioned Dylan Walsh. I don't even want to talk uh, about him. Uh, Ernie Hudson is, you know what? Ernie Hudson Every movie he's in, it doesn't matter. He's just great. I just like to watch him. He's every time he's uh, in front of the camera, I'm like, okay, this is going to be yeah, a good same. day. He's a fucking national treasure. Yeah, I didn't think he could get cooler. And then you slap on that little English accent. I'm like, huh, look at that. He just got cooler. I, I don't know, like cigars, whatever. I don't know what he was smoking the entire time, but we just did The Crow. And this is back-to-back movies where Ernie Hudson is basically smoking 80% of the time he's on camera. <laughs> Holy shit, right. Oh, I don't Ernie. listen to your Crow episode. Yeah, he, he smokes a lot in The Crow. I mean, he's puffed. Now I'm worried for him. Yeah, he's he's uh, – so I, I'm thinking he's a real smoker. <laughs> um, well, he's like uh, 90 years old right now, and he still looks like he's 40. Oh, yeah. He does not eat. See? National treasure. Yeah. Uh, the next man, Tim Curry. Uh, Tim Curry is a Bond villain who never got to be in a Bond movie. <laughs> so true. That's such a perfect way to put it. You know, Jackie's going to shit on Tim Curry in this one. And I'm just going to say for the record that this all goes back to my incredible, what I can only call existential crisis in life, which is, is Tim Curry incredibly talented or is he incredibly bad and just stumbles into decent roles every now and again? No, I think his voice is incredibly talented, and I think he's a showman. But I think you get movies like this where they were probably like, hey, Tim, have you ever met anyone from Romania? He's like, yes. <laughs> he just, they're like, because that kind of sounds like a cartoon character. Ah, oh, it's Tim Curry. Just let him do whatever. No, I'm going to say that he's absolutely uh, an extremely talented actor, and I think that he knows it and we all know it. So he can take roles like this where he's just able to like chew the scenery and just be as like off the wall and over the top as he possibly can be. And he can totally get away with it because he's Tim fucking Curry. But I mean, I also agree that he watched a whole bunch of Rocky and Bowwinkle and did the whole Boris and Natasha thing. And that's what he based the character on. Yeah. There's something painful about this. So one of the, when I was watching this, Sarah came up and Ernie Hudson's doing his his uh, accent. Then you had Tim Curry doing his, and she's like, "What? Why are they talking like that?" And I go, "Babe, it's called acting." And she's just like, "I can't stand their accents. It hurt her head." And then she went to bed and didn't finish the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Yes." <laughs> I said I would have definitely smacked my husband if he was like, "It's called acting." 
<laughs> yeah, she just looked at it. I, I could tell from her face she hated it. So I'm like, mm, it's called acting, babe. <laughs> She's just like, no. <laughs> you feel like if you don't have uh, the nostalgia built in for this movie, it's painful. Like, that's the one lesson I learned from trying to make people watch it who had never watched it in the 90s. Also, Jackie might have yeah. ruined my life when she broke it to me that none of the gorillas are real. You didn't know that? Yeah. No, I went at least four years happily thinking <laughs> Amy was a real gorilla somewhere in the myth. <laughs> I mean, that would be the most, that would be a fantastically trained Amy. I really thought, I really thought for years of my life. And then it wasn't, we like randomly watched it one night and they like broke it to me sadly and quietly. And I was devastated because I thought all these monkeys were real. And I've, I've done extensive research on just how close we are to a monkey that will talk. Turns out not as much as you'd think. Uh, yeah. I heard that uh, most of the apes that were doing the sign language uh, were basically, it was faked. Like, they're not actually communicating like you and I communicate. They're, they're more like, oh, I know what this means, so I'd get a treat from it or something like that. But they don't actually understand what they're saying. It's very true. I was like, oh, the scientists faked it. It's true. It's all just classical conditioning, which literally fucking devastated me. So between finding out they were all CGI or robotic or whatever, and then learning that monkeys who could talk to me do not exist, I fell into a deep, dark depression for a few months. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I no longer have a reason to become a millionaire and get an evil army of monkeys. You know what? Uh, well, this didn't devastate me. I was just so surprised that Joe Don Baker, who plays the RB Travis guy, who is just like acting his ass off. I had no idea that was actually supposed to be Bruce Campbell's father. Like, I, I, just, I just didn't remember this. And I've seen this movie at least 10 times. So when she was like, oh, if uh, if you're just looking for this diamond and you're not looking for your son, you know, like he didn't give a shit that Bruce Campbell died. Spoilers. I, I didn't know that. Did you too? Yeah, they I thought they said something in the very beginning about no, it they do at the son. very beginning. It yeah. said, hey, Steve, this is his <laughs> father. And I was like, oh, didn't pay attention at all. <laughs> yeah, no, I got it. Oh, yeah. I mean, so. especially because it's Bruce Campbell. So I'm going to like hyper focus in on the TV with anything involving Bruce Campbell. And he has two, uh, he has two first names. Uh, he's got Charlie Travis. Oh, yeah. He needs one more and he can be a serial killer. <laughs> Just one more. Off topic. I was going to say, you know, I never know. I never knew why they always did that. Like named all three of the names of the serial killers until recently. And it makes a whole lot of sense. That, you know, there probably, you know, are other people out there with very similar name or with like the same name. So when you slap that middle name in there, you know, with uh, John Wayne Gacy, there's probably other John Gacy's out there. And to differentiate, you got to slap the middle name in there. And I didn't know that. Is that really why they do it? Or they do it because they're all creepers who have really weird dates? No, I thought they did it for like identifying purposes. I think it's like a chicken or the egg thing with the serial killer. <laughs> But anyway, Congo. <laughs> anyway, uh, distributed by Paramount Pictures, which I, I honestly thought Universal did this, but it, it came out uh, June 9th, 1995, and it actually made money. This is what surprised me. It had a budget of $50 million and it made 152 in the box office. I thought this movie lost money. I, I thought it would be, you know, you know, they spent $50 million and only made like 35 yeah, but you have to look at it from the 90s lens. Like, to see this movie in the 90s, like, we're looking at it from today's perspective. 
I think to look at it from the time that it came out, this movie is amazing. It's not a Jurassic Park, but it's, you know, a level or two right below Jurassic yeah, Park. Agreed. <laughs> With some defense behind I mean, it. Blue, like I was super into this movie in 1995 and I was like such a big film geek. Like granted, there were a myriad of movies that came out in 1995 that were better, but this, this movie was a go back and watch over and over again for me. Oh, wow. Really? See, I, I think once I got, uh, I don't know, somewhere around high school, I was like, I, I just stopped. It was all Jurassic Park for me and Wild Wild West starring Will Smith. You mean that? Wild that's Wild the West? hill I die on. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, I don't think you could ever make fun of my love of Congo if you just literally said Wiki Wiki Wild Wild West was your return to one. <laughs> <laughs> oh no no I, I have so many awful movies that i go back to that's why with this one when i was halfway through it i was i was entertained this movie entertained me but there was so much in there where i'm like why are we doing this <laughs> that it was yeah. more like oh i can't wait till you two come on here and then tell me why i should love it see here my thing is i saw this movie i know i saw it in the theaters but i probably hadn't seen it since then, until what, like at some point last year, after Marissa and I recorded an episode, we decided to watch Congo. And I'm like, wow, I haven't seen this movie in forever. And she's like, oh my God, I love it. We got to watch it. I'm like, cool, let's watch Congo. And I absolutely loved it. See, here's the thing. Yeah, it doesn't hold up to today's standards. But I think that if you have that nostalgia, not for just this movie, but just have that nostalgia in general for 90s and for movies. men, grown men with talking monkeys? Yeah. I, I think, like, there's no reason not to, like, not to love this movie. Like, but I mean, again, I'm coming from, you know, this is the kind of movie that's right up my alley. One of my like 90s things that I always go back to. I love the um the natural disaster movies. Like I love like the volcano movies and you know Twister is probably like one of the greatest movies ever. And what's the one uh Dante's Peak? Like I love the natural disaster movies. So to, like that all gets lumped together in this like amazing 90s technology chunk that I I will go back to time and time again. I love these. That's it's not that I'm so much nostalgic for this movie. I'm just nostalgic for that time period of like this action adventure. No, movie. I and just to piggyback real quick off that, if we're pitching why this movie rocks, I'm gonna just say that it's like you take everything wonderful about an action film and you throw it in a blender and you shake it real good and you sprinkle in some adorable CGI'd animals. And you've got fucking Congo. Because you've got, like, lasers, volcanoes, fucking badass technology, smugglers. I mean, what is there not to love in this movie? And then it all comes together when evil, white-haired fucking gorillas go crazy and eat people. Like, there is nothing in this movie that isn't, like, every action movie you love all smushed together. And to me, that's what I love about it. And then it's got a heart of gold because at the heart of it is an adorable little fucking gorilla who talks and, like, sings and gets tranquilized. And, and they even have a fucking singing montage. I mean, Jesus Christ, this movie has everything. See, that's kind of like uh, a couple of the problems, I think, with it because it's all over the place. <laughs> Not for me, my mind, it's perfect. <laughs> uh like i said i like wow wow west so uh (laughs) i i have no room to fight back but the movies that were out at the same time as this i found interesting you had batman forever apollo 13 pocahontas 
Congo, the bridges of Madison <laughs> County, which I've definitely seen, um, <laughs> Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and Judge Dredd. Yeah, so that I mean, ooh, man, talk about a rough weekend coming out or a rough month coming out at the same time as Batman Forever. Uh, and I, I another movie that I'm embarrassed to admit I love is Batman Forever and an awesome soundtrack. Well, you should never be embarrassed <laughs> to talking about that. That's that's my uh, I, that might be my favorite Batman movie. Wow, wow, it's yeah, I'm, I'm with. Wow. I love Danny DeVito as disgusting penguin. He's my favorite. Wait, that's Batman Returns. Oh, I'm thinking of Batman Returns. I was that like, came out in <laughs> or something. Oh, Batman. Oh no, Batman Forever. I never watched that. Never mind. Scratch. <laughs> I was like, "Are you feeling okay, buddy? Like, do you need me to call somebody?" I was gonna be like, "It's." Uh, it's funny because I just watched Batman uh, Returns too. <laughs> I saw what I wanted. To see. <laughs> I thought that didn't make any sense. I knew that didn't come out in 1995, but I just like oh, the Batman Returns. That's what I wrote. Yep, we're going with that. Okay. <laughs> hey, I just I just raced home. I'm I'm scatterbrained. I don't know what's going on. Uh, but uh, no, Batman Forever. That's the one with Jim Carrey, right? Uh, yeah, I think Batman Forever is the one with the Riddler and two Tommy Lee Jones is two faced. Yeah, and right. Also- and then what? What's what's the one with uh? Oh, that's Batman and Robin with uh Arnold. Right. Okay, they're all oh, blending right. together. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what? He he's the reason why we don't have catchphrases anymore. That one movie. Cuz he used every single one. Oh my god. Wait. <laughs> yep. We can actually trace the end of He's the reason. Oh my god. <laughs> There's no more left. Jackie. He is the reason that, that we'll never get one-liners again. Ooh. Damn it. Damn it, Arnold. Fucking ruins everything. <laughs> what killed the dinosaurs? There is a <laughs> Stay cool, bird boy. So let's uh, go into the box art. I mean, this box art is kind of cool. It's got the Congo name on the side of it, but I really like that it has like the... Um, so over the picture of the ape is what I thought was kind of like code, kind of like the Matrix, but it turns out it's more like transmission terminated from like because they were a, a communication company. I was like, "Oh, that's that's cool. I kind of like this." But this uh, this tape always stuck out to me in the uh, rental store. Yeah, this is one I definitely remember seeing in the stores. Yeah, from the best-selling novel by author of Jurassic Park. All I see when I stare at it is that I'm living the lie of thinking this is a real gorilla. Like, look at his dead eyes. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I see when I look at it. You can just make it real in your mind. Pretend. <laughs> I, it's funny too because Sarah, when she first came in and saw Amy, she goes, "Oh wow, that's a really good gorilla." And I was like, "That's that's someone in a suit." And she was shocked. And so when you said that, I was like, "Huh? I don't know. Maybe maybe I've been watching too many uh, Stan Winston movies. I can just tell right away." I was just gonna say, yeah, too too many on point facial expressions. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat between Stan Winston and Rick Baker. Like, there's there's no way that that a real gorilla. Like, I mean, I'm assuming like, did they have? I can't remember. Were there any like actual live gorillas like for background gorilla? I don't know. But yeah, Amy's face was just too expressive and too on point to not be animatronics. 
She was uh, really well behaved. That's what gave it away to me. Like, it's like she didn't do anything that seemed like it was off script. I love that both of you are all of a sudden like, what's her fucking name? The, the chick with the fucking gorillas. Where you're both like, well, in my infinite expertise with, with gorillas. Like, really? You guys really want those thoughts? No, changing my name to Jane Goodall. Fuck off, Marissa. <laughs> I guess you didn't know this, but, you know, about twice a year, Jackie and I like to travel off into Africa and train gorillas. I mean, we know quite a bit now. I just don't come back until you have one that says bad gorilla. Ugly gorillas. Ugly. Go away. There are no real gorillas, apparently. It shouldn't break your heart. What it should do to you is motivate you to save your money and do what I'm going to do, which is buy a gorilla robot so I can have my own Amy that lives forever. If you loved me, you'd get me that. Done. Birthday. December. Doing it. Gonna get you an Amy. (laughs) Gonna go to Stan Winston's uh, (laughs) old garage and just steal it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just like walk in and be like, yeah, I need the Amy gorilla. Mr. Uh, Lincoln thinks you should hand him over. And his friend, Mr. Washington. Apparently, according to you guys, you can get this shit at the dollar store. So how? (laughs) <laughs> oh no it's uh, no 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 not not that not the amy mask that's way too good that's at least three dollars yeah i guess uh, we'll read the description here really quick there's you know there are so many uh like one-liners and quotes on this movie there's four we've got from the creator of jurassic park and then we've got you know where you are the endangered species plus i have the pg-13 green sticker on this one which is awesome but it says breathtaking action, amazing special effects from Good Morning America. I don't know who said that, but okay. <laughs> and then at the bottom, you are in for a treat. Peter Travers from the Rolling Stone. Wow. Thanks, Peter. Yeah. And so he, he probably wasn't even talking about this movie. He was talking about something else. They're like, we'll take that. Let's see the description here. They've eluded heat-seeking missiles, gone eyeball to eyeball with enraged 5,000-pound hippos, Hacked through a jungle curtain, still the expedition continues. Amy, a gorilla who was part of a university learning experiment, is at last returning home. A professor, Dylan Walsh, electronics expert, Laura Lenny, guide, Ernie Hudson, explorer, Tim Curry. Wait, he is not an explorer. Uh, (laughs) And others follow the scampering ape. (laughs) They know she will lead them to the place that's more than her home. It's the site of the fabled lost city of Zinj and its diamond mines. But what they don't know can be fatal. Only they can enter Zinj. They'll be in danger. What the fuck is that saying? Oh, once they enter Zinj, they'll be the endangered species. From the best-selling author, Michael Crichton, Jurassic Park, comes an action-packed adventure filled with state-of-the-art technology and primal fear. I was trying to... Okay, when he kept saying, when Tim Curry kept saying Zinj, I, I could not figure out if he was saying... Lost City of Zinj, or it was Zin at one time, because his accent was so thick. His fake <laughs> accent. <laughs> oh, I, I have no idea what he was saying at any point in this movie. <laughs> I do love how every character around him hated him. Wow. To be fair, he was kind of the worst. Yeah, I, that's what, like, he's, he's one of my favorites because just everyone, as soon as they met him, especially, uh, stop eating my sesame cake. Stop eating my sesame cake. Stop eating my sesame cake! Mm-hmm. What are you doing in my country? 
bag of shit. He's just like, what are you doing with this guy? <laughs> He's so obviously like a villain too that it's great that they're like, should we try yeah. Curry? <laughs> I'm going to deal with the uh, elephant or more appropriately the gorilla in the room and say that the relationship between the doctor and the gorilla was a little weird. There, I said it. Yep. Yeah, I know. I was right away. I was like, um, is he having, is he touching that gorilla in the no-no spot? (laughs) (laughs) Dude, it's, there's something slightly off about the nature of the relationship. Like even his little sidekick dude, like kind of senses it's weird. Like the people make fun of him. And like, even Laura Linney's like, dude, are you, are you, are you straight? Are you in the animals? Like I'm confused. Like it's very, it's very ambivalent to me. Man, that just makes me feel like the most naive toddler. Because I was like, oh, it's like a mother and son relationship. Uh, and it's- which makes it very creepy. <laughs> and Freudian. <laughs> yeah, as soon as, he, as soon as he made Amy that martini, I was like, oh, no. Oh, he's just... He's just liquoring her up. Yeah, he's like, he was like, it was, it was like uncomfortable. And he like, you know, he roof, he did roofie it. He roofied her. (laughs) You know what? How are you when you're flying? She wanted to get Gorilla Girl wasted. Give her a break. It's an, it's, it's an obvious rough flight. She's going through a lot. And Amy wanted to get a little crunk. Okay. Don't act like you haven't wanted one at the end of a bad day. Just because I roofie me when we fly. It's not the same thing. (laughs) <laughs> good martini good martini <laughs> or like any of that stuff is appropriate fucking feeding her bananas that are laced with roofies i'm uncomfortable yeah why did everyone have gorilla roofies in this film it just feels like in africa in the congo are they just like can you go to the you know, like Walgreens, and they're like, oh, you need Gorilla Roofies? We got them. Yeah, but you know what? She had that in her anyway, because Ernie Hudson lit one of his, like, little cigarellos or whatever he was smoking, and she walked up to him, she plucked it out of his mouth, and, like, not breaking eye contact, took a puff of that cigarette, went back to her seat. Amy was like, fuck you. First of all, as any parent knows, Gorilla Roofies are very easy to come by. (laughs) The (laughs) PDF. Second of all, you're right, Jackie. Not only does she drink, but she smokes. I don't understand how this makes this less awkward. Like, she's a bad, bad gorilla. She's a bad gorilla. She threw an egg at Laura Linney. And in my notes, it's Amy gets jealous of other women's drinks, martinis, and smokes. Dream date. <laughs> yeah. And it's true. She's very obviously jealous of Laura Linney's. And Laura Linney's not even really interested in, in, in what's his face, you know? Like, she's like, kind of makes fun of him. You know, she's like, come on, you little pansy. Let's go. Yeah. My, my question, Steve, is is that how uh, you landed Sarah? She threw hard, hard-boiled eggs at people and you were like, hey. What's up, girl? Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, finally. I, I, I found my Amy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when she listens to this, she's going to be like, did you just call me a gorilla? <laughs> An adorable talking gorilla. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Sarah, pretty. Sarah, pretty. There we go. Oh, I have been doing that in my head ever since watching this. <laughs> Like, like I go, I've done it to the dog twice. I go, good puppy, good puppy. <laughs> no, when my dog is an a hole, I call him bad gorilla. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, you know what wasn't bad? 
some of the trailers in this movie. I'm bringing it back. Yay. Now playing at a motion picture theater near you. Uh, we had Nick a time with Johnny Depp and Christopher Walken. I didn't, I, I don't remember this movie. So I just kind of like skipped oh, it in my mind. I do. I love this movie. And like the movie plays in real time. Oh, it's so cool. Again, I have that 90s thing for movies, but no, I love this one. Yeah, I've never seen it. I was like, oh, real terror in real time. Look at that. Yeah, but then the Amy and the kid Pepsi commercial yeah. uh, came on, and that was such a blast from the past. Oh, I was so into it, dude. Over here, Amy. What is it? Amy wants touch, stroke. I don't understand it. Sign it again. Pat. Oh, sure, Peter. Pat Amy? No. What? Hey, you know what? I think she wants a touch head. Touch head. Pat I? Amy wants Patsy? Oh, Patsy. Yeah, there we go. Patsy? Patsy. What's Patsy? I don't understand. She's getting tired. Patsy. Hey, they don't always understand me either. As soon as it came on, I was like, I I don't even know the last time I had a Pepsi, but I want a Pepsi. Yeah, it, it worked. their advertising works every time. I don't even like Pepsi, and I wanted one. And also, you know, my initial reaction was, oh, man, they shouldn't give that gorilla a Pepsi. But then I remembered she's drinking, smoking, roofing. This girl could hang. A Pepsi's nothing to her. I do love in your mind how she did all this, but when the Pepsi came, you're like, I, you know, that's too far. <laughs> I, my note is someone should call PETA, but only for the Pepsi, not for the alcohol. <laughs> oh, no. I, I just love the 90s commercials because it reminds me of being a kid. Me too. Yeah, especially the Pepsi ones. Yeah, they were really good. I was hoping Britney Spears was in that costume, but she wasn't. <laughs> and it's like you almost expect after that, we need to have either like a toy commercial or a Pizza Hut commercial. Or a Taco, or a Bell, Taco commercial. Bell commercial. <laughs> <laughs> All the foods. <laughs> uh, next was uh, Virtuosity with Denzel Washington and Russell Crowe. I've never, I've seen a lot of sci-fi movies. Never seen this one. Yeah, full disclosure, I was kind of interested after this. This is another one that I I have rented. when And when I worked at Hollywood Video, I've seen Virtuosity a lot. This was the first time I ever saw Russell Crowe in a movie. And I I watched this movie a whole, whole lot. Really? Where did I? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But like as these trailers were coming on, I was like, yeah, I remember that one. I remember that one. I got super excited. But yeah, this is Virtuosity is one that is... That I've rented that one time and time again. Was it good? Yeah. It's got slightly better than Lawnmower Man kind of 90s virtual reality graphics. But Russell Crowe, I think, plays like a really good bad guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I agree with that. He just kind of seems like a very... He was... I, I were, Was he a likable bad guy? Because that's what he seems like. He's trying. He's like, oh, just because I want to kill your family doesn't mean we can't be friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When the next one came on... Josh Kirby, Time Warrior. <laughs> I immediately fell in love with these. Dude, the fact that there's six of them, like somebody lost their entire, like somebody bet on the wrong pony, bro. Oh, yeah. Straight to video, Moonbeam, uh, you know, full moons, a little bitty uh, offshoot kid production. Uh, I love it. Charles Band's like, I'm going to make so much money off this Josh Kirby kid. It's so, like, I can't believe they didn't try to just make one and see how it went. No, they made six full-length movies. No, it's like when you're drunk at midnight and you're like, I'm going to order three pizzas. And then you get two slices and you're like, I ordered too much. (laughs) (laughs) 
I have never, ever heard of these, but like I was, my interest was instantly piqued because I'm like, it's kind of like Doctor Who Jr. with almost good, bad, like Harryhausen effects, like when there was the Dino Knights episode or the, the Dino Knights chapter. I can't say that I'm not going to go back and maybe try to peek on these in YouTube. There was one particular episode of all six that really stood out to me. And I'm hoping, I don't know if you guys caught this too, but there's one called Josh Kirby and is the human pets. And there was a squirrel-like creature who shot right up his ass. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else caught that, but I did. And I rewound it and watched it a few more times to make sure I wasn't imagining this. But that's the one I'm going to watch personally. Yeah, I saw one of the puppets in there and I was like, oh, this reminds me kind of of like Farscape from the Sci-Fi Channel. I don't know if either you two yeah. know what I'm talking about. Yep, but that's, yep. I was like, oh, I want to watch Farscape. Who fucking named these? Like, Josh Kirby is a human pet. Josh Kirby's eggs from 70 million BC. Like, what the hell is wrong with the people who made these? And how did they not see this bomb coming? I, I just think Josh Kirby as a name is one of those things where I'm like, is this really what we want to put in the front? Like, why don't we just call it Time Warrior? I'm gonna, I really want to know where Josh Kirby is today. I am debating him. <laughs> yeah, the only thing I've ever, I feel like the only thing I've seen, because he looked familiar, and I think he's the kid from Robin Hood Men in Tights, but that's as far as it goes. And I might not even be right, but I think it's the kid from Robin Hood Men in Tights. Men in Tight Tights. Tight, tight, tights. <laughs> You're right. That's the only other credit of working. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The fact that you know that. I've that's seen no, You know what? Golf clap. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I may <laughs> have seen Men in Tights a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, well, that movie's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the last one before we start the, the film was Congo the movie Descent in the Zinge the CD-ROM game on PC and Mac. Get ready for Congo, the movie Descent into Zinge, a heart-stopping CD-ROM jungle adventure game. Drop headlong into the action based on the book and hit movie. Search for diamonds in the lost city of Zinge and solve over 100 puzzles on an all-new expedition. Dodge hidden death traps. Battle fearsome great killers with high-tech weapons. Special effects and 3D graphics so real, you'll get lost in the jungle forever. Congo, the game where you are the endangered species. Which I am actively trying to find. <laughs> like, literally, since I watched this, I've been like, I need to play that fucking game. Yeah, that would be fun to sit around. <laughs> like, the next time we, we all go to a con, it's just bring, like, a really old-ass Mac, and we're sitting there playing that. Hey, what are you guys doing? We're playing Congo the movie, CD-ROM game. Jesus, how do you yeah. not know this? Oh, no, you know what? Let me see if I can find it. I've got an emulator, and I've got some CD-ROM games. Let me see if I can find it and download it, and then, yeah, the next time we're all together, we could totally play it. Oh, uh, it's a plan. No, it's just I, I'm dazzled at how every time I think I've reached my pinnacle of, like, complete geekdom, we say and do something like that, and I'm all excited, and I realize I have, I'm so far from feeling geeked. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I just think that would be amazing to play like some – I wonder if it is is good looking as the commercial as it actually is because when I was watching that, I go, those graphics are really good for 1995. The killer hippos are even in it. Like you can't lose. Oh, everything. And it said we, it had uh, puzzles. I was like, puzzles? I'll totally play that game. 
And now, our feature presentation. Okay, getting into the movie here. Not going to go scene by scene, but I did make some notes. Immediately, my first note is, look, it's Bruce Campbell, dot, 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 and he's dead. <laughs> I, have, I have something similar. I've got Bruce, and I literally doodled a heart next to it, and I was like, and four minutes. <laughs> Hi, Bruce. <laughs> yeah, that's sad. Mm-hmm. But then we get uh, to the entire plot here where apparently diamonds can be put into a laser gun and that's how we're going to be communicating in the future how that works no clue yeah no and everything i know about lasers and technology i learned from this movie so it must be true like right i I mean michael Crichton knew what he was talking about absolutely shoot a laser in the air and that is how cell phones were invented exactly yeah laura winnie invented cell phones good on her yeah, I mean, she, she's talented and smart. Oh, let's see here. Oh, yo, this this blew my mind. So my next note is, hey, look, it's fake Steve Gutenberg. We've already mentioned that. And I go, and the guy from True Lies. And then I looked up that guy from True Lies, Grant Heslov. He won an Oscar <laughs> for producing Argo. Oh. Yeah. I was like, wow, I, I almost feel bad for laughing at your character when you died. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, I also made fun of Amy's voice in my notes, even though I still do go up to my dog and go, good puppy, good puppy. She's right here between my legs because she thinks I'm talking to her. <laughs> well, you've said good puppy enough. She's like, yeah, what's up? What's up? <laughs> any any uh, notes that you guys, that you two had down that you wanted to talk about? Not really. No, I feel like we covered most of it. I do say that, um, like, the choice to bring Amy back to the wild feels right, <laughs> especially because their relationship is inappropriate. Why didn't they try to put one of those talking suits on the evil guys? Maybe they, it was just all a misunderstanding. Probably would have been just like a drunk Chris Farley. And been like, get out! <laughs> it's like, oh, we can't really tell what you're saying. <laughs> oh my god, that would be such a great ending. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're saying, man. And then my other note is, who just packs a hot air balloon? Yeah, I was thinking that because they shot down a plane for entering their airspace. <laughs> How, what are they going to do to a hot air balloon? And they don't even have Ernie Hudson to bribe anybody anymore. Yeah, I mean, well, he is pretty smooth talking. He might be able to get him out of that. I mean, literally, there's there's two, like, a, a bunch of people in a hot air balloon, like, a white girl and a white guy, I'm going to shoot him down too. Oh, just me? <laughs> Somebody lands in a hot air balloon in your space? You're not worried? I Well, they're not going They're not going very fast. I just watch them. <laughs> wait for them to land. He's like, did you think you are going to get away? <laughs> <laughs> As they slowly descend. Yeah. I like the appearance of, uh, uh, what's his name? Joey, Joe, Joe Pantaleone, Joey Pants from, uh, from Goonies and the Matrix. Yep, and he was the man that could get everything. Apparently, uh, I he went uncredited in this movie, and I always I was trying to figure out. I wonder why did he know that the critics wouldn't like it, or did he just show up one day and like oh, I'll just work for scale and just I don't because I mean he's not exactly massive at this time. This is 1995. He didn't become really big, in in my opinion, until Matrix. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know he was uncredited. I feel like it's a big enough role. Like, Yeah, I, I don't know why you wouldn't want your name on it. I mean, it's still a blockbuster film. Sure, the critics might not like it, but it made money. I would put my name on anything. Oh, God, yeah, <laughs> I'd put my name on way worse. <laughs> I really liked how the uh, 
I guess the the costume designer and props or whatever. I do enjoy that once they got into the jungle, somebody had the idea to make sure that Ernie Hudson was in khaki shirt and khaki pants and had a black backpack and a black gun. So he looked exactly like his character uh, from Ghostbusters when he was walking through all the shots. (laughs) There was a scene where I literally had to rewind it and go back because when I just like, you know, was looking up, writing a note, I looked up, I thought, I I thought it was him in his Ghostbusters suit from the way that like the backpack, he's holding the gun. I was like, is that a proton pack? I'm like, is this, is this supposed to be Ghostbusters? That went totally over my head. I didn't notice that at all. Now, I don't know if it was an intentional thing or not, or maybe I'm just a little Ghostbusters obsessed, but yeah, I, I saw, I saw a, a Ghostbuster when, when he was walking through. Like there was one scene, I'm just trying to re- remember what it is, but there was one scene when he's right in front of, after they get to Zinge and he's like about to like walk into, uh, walk into one of the, uh, the temples. And I, it was just, it's very Ghostbuster looking. Well, huh. right when they got to the temple, I, immediately I wrote down, is this Legends of the Hidden Temple? Because <laughs> you could really tell it was a set. It was a nice looking set, but I, I don't know, like a lot of it just really felt like they were in the jungle until they got into the Lost City. Fuck, first you tell me the gorillas aren't real, now you're telling me it's not a real temple? <laughs> uh, I, I I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. It definitely looked like the set of Legends of the Hidden Temple. I also, one scene that I always super liked before that, and I, I guess it's corny now, but as a kid, I thought it was really cool effects, was when they set up like that weird laser electric fence thing and they like shoot through it. Like that scene I always enjoyed and I still do. Like, I don't know. I think there's a lot of cool little special effects in this movie that maybe don't hold up so well, but were cool at the time. Yeah, turrets are always cool. Anytime you get into like a jungle warfare and someone sets something like that up, like trip wires or anything like that, I love it. <laughs> yeah, they have such badass technology that felt so big and grandiose to me at the time. Yeah, and she brought so much. Bitch could pack. <laughs> the one flaw, if I can even call it that, that, that I'll give this movie is the there was a scene toward the end after um, Laura Linney's character realized, like they're surrounded by the gray gorillas. So she uses the laser to to like cut them all down so they can escape. I will say that was like the one moment that kind of took me out of it. Cause kind of like Stevie was saying earlier, how they put a little of too much of everything in this movie. That scene did kind of take me out because like there was kind of like a little bit of a Star Wars lightsaber vibe that I got from it and that like almost kind of sigh, not even, I don't want to say a sci-fi element, but for some reason, like that tech element of that scene took me out of it a little bit. I don't, I can't really put my finger on why, but like, it was just all like pew, pew, pew. And then everything was happening with the laser and gorillas are getting cut in half and cauterized wounds. And I don't know that one, that one kind of took me out of it slightly, just a little bit. I will give it, you know, this movie is 9.5 and not a 10 because of it. Oh, no, I could definitely see how someone would look at that and then just like stamp this a B movie. <laughs> it just doesn't feel like it's part of this, even though right when she was cutting down those <laughs> gorillas, I was like, whoa, that's awesome. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's a lot. I actually there is a lot in this movie that I like. Also, uh, I really like 
the uh, the angry gorillas, the man hunters, the white ape, whatever you want to call it, the costumes on that, I thought they looked great. Yeah, I did too. I thought they were really they were really cool, uh, practical, like you know, I guess costume effects. They were like I was looking at all of them after Jackie shattered the illusion for me, and they're really cool work there. No, they they brought in Stan Winston to do this because they found out that. While the CG for dinosaurs a couple years before worked, I guess that like um, scaly skin. But when it comes to fur, if you've ever seen Jumanji with Robin Williams, the monkeys in that are awful. And it's because at the time we just couldn't do fur. Yeah, that's some of the worst CGI. That's terrible. Yeah, it's really bad. So I'm I'm pretty sure when they found out they couldn't do it, they brought in Stan Winston. And the costumes that he made are amazing. It's just really hard to do primates. I, I will admit that, like, I'm a sap and I cry pretty easy. And that's like you're going to double down on that when it like it involves an animal in an, in a movie. So I will admit that there was one moment in the movie where, like, I welled up with tears and that was when Amy first got into the jungle and she sees the other gorillas and she kind of gives them like the yo, what's up? And they kind of just like look at her and walks away. And the camera is on her and she literally just gives like the biggest, saddest gorilla sigh. I welled up with some tears. Just just like one. like Have that little, that little pack on because she would have been like, fuck you guys. <laughs> I did. I couldn't help it. And then, of course, like at the very end, when like she's finally home and she goes off with like, you know, her silverback hunk of love, um, I straight up cried. You know who else cried? The doctor guy. (laughs) Yeah, he's never going to get another ape like that. I mean, Amy was one in a million. (laughs) (laughs) So true. So true. That's where my emotional tetherings were. But Amy got a man fast, though. I, I was like, whoa, Amy. I don't know what you got, but you convinced Wonder Bread to love you. You got booze out of them. You got all the free, like, uh, roofies you could get. I mean, and now she's got a silverback that you know every girl's going to be like, oh, who's this bitch? And she's like, I'm a bad gorilla. <laughs> Oh, thank God we never got the Congo offshoot porno. Um, light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's the that's the other show that I do where I review VHS pornos. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Analog Jones and the Temple of Porn. No, the Temple of Poon. Oh, the Temple of Poon. That's right. Yes. Well, I can't remember. Did you? Who coined that? It was one of us. I think it was on my birthday episode, maybe. Yeah. It was one of us. I'm blaming one of us for that. Also, you guys are me again. I went on iTunes and Googled it. It's not real yet. <laughs> Every time we talk about it, I get all excited and think we're finally going to make it. And then, and then it's not real. <laughs> you know what? This is no kidding. Uh, so, like, porn on VHS is actually really expensive. I can see that. Like, it's it's got to be like kind of a collector no, it's, thing. It's like, there's like super collectors on it. Uh, I've seen like I'm part of some VHS groups, and when they put them up, like a, a really cool VHS, you know, horror movie and everything will be, you know, I don't know, twenty five, thirty dollars, whatever. If they put like a, a porn up there of some eighties I've never seen before, they'll go for like a hundred bucks. Damn. 
That's so, I would never have imagined that to be true. Yeah, so those, I, I mean, there's some really horny VHS collectors. <laughs> no offense, the only thing that could make it sadder is that it's porn, like the guy's collecting porn. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I, I mean, I there like when Sarah uh, first met me and she's like, oh, what are you collecting here? And I go, oh, these are VHSs. I guarantee you there was a point in her mind where she's like, oh, Jesus. But <laughs> if they were VHS porn, she would have left immediately. No one's staying in that apartment. <laughs> for sure. That is the guy who lives in his mom's basement, for sure. Like, you don't have a porn VHS collection and a well-functioning life at the same time. I will double down on that. <laughs> uh, yeah, and if you do, don't contact us. <laughs> Come at me, bro. Over at Jersey Ghouls. <laughs> yeah, that might be the one, like, secondhand collector thing I wouldn't be going for. Ugh. Yeah, I'll take I'll take my nice new hermetically sealed porn. Like I don't want your already opened used porn. <laughs> yeah, where they paused it and all the tracking and it gets all dirty and fuzzy. You're like, <laughs> well, like you could always tell in the horror movies when that would happen when someone would pause it. Uh, but like in a porn, do, I mean, do you need to? pause a porn it's porn it's all porn like you just keep going (laughs) yeah i never thought about that i guarantee you if there's a porn vhs collector out there he's probably listening to us (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm sorry i probably got him mad i apologize that's okay he'll get over it he's got nowhere else to go (laughs) don't unsubscribe we'll we'll be your friends it's fine (laughs) Just don't come to my house. Yeah, no. Please don't ever, don't ever contact us in any way, but we're your friends. We're here for you. Stranger danger, Jackie. Stay away. <laughs> he seems so nice. There was a puppy. I can't. Seriously, like, honestly, if you have the white van and it's just like free Lucky Charms marshmallows, I'm going to go up to the van. This is why I have friends like you to stop me because, yeah, everybody's nice. No one's mean. There's no agenda. And, of course, there's a basket of puppies in that guy's trunk. So, yeah, this is why I have friends like you guys. That's very true. I keep you safe and many. (laughs) There's a basket of puppies? Oh, I might actually approach him then. If it was one puppy, I could probably go, I'm not falling for this, but an entire basket? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. that guy's that guy's definitely gonna kidnap me. Yeah, I'm I'm a pretty easy target. Like, oh, what you know, you've got Bonnie Bell lip smackers in there. I got gotcha. you. I'm coming over. We're gonna talk, and then yeah, I get chloroform. You know, does this does this rag smell like chloroform? And then I'm done. Like I'm, it's it's straight out of Silence of the Lambs. So um, I got to be careful. I got to be real careful. Well, after he kidnaps you, you be like bad gorilla. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you ready to move on to the museum? <sighs> sure. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. All right, this is the part of the show where we put something in our museum. We're just like Indy. We go out to the jungle, literally in this movie, and bring something back, good or bad. Uh, I'll start. Uh, I tried not to mention it that much, but I'm going to put the hippos in this, even though I don't know why a hippo would go all horror movie on, you know, uh, these guys. But man, when that thing came out of the water, I was like, wow, that's some impressive animatronics and practical effects. 
Yeah, I love that scene. And and I what I didn't know that uh, this is why I keep my husband around. It turns out hippos are very aggressive animals who would absolutely eat your face if given the chance. I'm gonna put Amy's backpack and um, power glove in the museum because I've finally come to terms with the fact that this is a dream that will probably never come to life for me. I will never have an animal that has a talking pack. I've thought maybe a dog one day, maybe I'd have my own gorilla like Amy, but I now know it will never happen. So I am going to give up that dream and put it in the museum. <laughs> and I'm a sad gorilla. Well, <laughs> I, I might have, but I'm letting go. I think if someone dressed up as Amy for Halloween with a power glove and a backpack and just walked around a party, sad gorilla, dry martini. <laughs> oh my God, Jackie, I have our next cosplay idea. I'll be the gorilla if you be Laura Liddy. I will. I've got khakis. I can do this. You know I'm in. I was a penguin last Halloween. I obviously <laughs> All I need is khakis, a baseball cap, and a flare gun, and we've got our costume set. Or or a laser gun. That's true. That's true. It can mow down angry apes, and it can, can destroy satellites. And I could be our living, breathing, talking Amy. That's, this is going to be good. There, you're going to get some good photos. <laughs> We're winning the costume contest this year, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's my contribution. All right, Jackie, we're saving the best for last. No, probably not, because I've already talked about it. But uh, I, I got to put in uh, er- Ernie Hudson's English accent. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was just every time he spoke, because I already love Ernie Hudson. And then he spoke with that. And it wasn't like, you know, that kind of rough Cockney accent. This was like a really nice, light and flowy, like kind of Downton Abbey kind of accent. So, yeah, just just him and his khakis with his proton pack and oh wait i mean his backpack and his english accent so that's i'm, I'm putting his accent in the museum this time and his air conditioner that laura <laughs> Linney gave to him <laughs> that's one of my favorite little bitty lines where she's she's like oh we got all this stuff uh, we even have air conditioners and then she looks at him and goes i know it's a bit much and he goes shit i'll take one <laughs> <laughs> there was one line to end this that i could not figure out why they left in the movie is when Laura Linney and fake Steve Gutenberg come out of their tents and all the the monkeys are going crazy from the full moon. And they have that really awkward where he looks over at her and goes, ah! and like makes a monkey sound. And she just gives him the most awkward, you have no chance look. <laughs> and I, I just, I didn't understand why they left that in the movie. It just looks weird. It's, you're right. That is so cringy. And um, I think they left it in to just remind us of what a big, awkward doof he really is. And how humans are obviously not his level for Plainfield. Oh, man, it makes me sad that, like, Amy is probably the only real chance at love he'll he'll ever have. (laughs) Well, not that I want to support your theory, but remember that when she asked him, like, why are you doing this? And he quoted, who was it? He quoted Thoreau or Walden or somebody, and he was like, you know... Basically, I'm lonely. He's really creepy. Yeah. I don't want him to be creepy. I want it to be a mother-son thing. Can we just pretend that it's not creepy and it's just like a nice friendship and they hang out on the weekends only? Sure. Sure. Okay. Nothing creepy about a grown man who's kind of in love with a gorilla. Yeah. You know he was playing smoochy face with her. You know <laughs> it. <laughs> You're playing hide the banana. 
<laughs> oh no, that visual is not going away. Sorry, I'm sorry. Oh <laughs> uh, no, that's that's perfect to end on. Um, uh, Want to tell them one more time uh, where they can listen to the Jersey Ghouls? Oh man, now I'm afraid to tell them where they can find us. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> www. Pornhub.com. No. Uh, <laughs> okay, for serious. Uh, uh, you can check us out on uh, social media. Just search for Jersey Ghouls and you'll find us there. You can find us on your favorite podcast app. I am sure we're going to be there. Again, just search Jersey Ghouls or go to our website, jerseyghouls.com, and there you're going to find our podcast, our blog, our movie reviews, and more. And if you want to listen to me take off my asshole slash perv pants and put on my academic serious pants, check us out over at mesonscream.com, where we wax on about how horror is influenced by society's most pivotal moments in history. And we uh, take it a little more seriously than we do over at Jersey Ghouls, for better or worse. (laughs) And if you want to listen to Analog Jones, just, just figure it out. I don't really care. We don't do advertising anymore. It feels like the meaner we are to people when it comes to this the more people just join us on YouTube and ask me stupid questions. (laughs) Uh, I'm kidding. Jonesers. I love it. I love it when you guys email us and uh, you can rate and review us on iTunes. You can catch us on Podbean and a ton of other things to put in your ears and listen to our stupid jokes, our stupid dad jokes. That works. Oh, you can email us at analog Jones, TOF at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Jersey Ghouls, thank you for coming on. I know I've kept you for, it seems like, probably two hours. I'm not even going to look at the clock. I know it's long. <laughs> no, thanks for having us, man. It's always so much fun. Yeah, it's it's it was an awesome time. Thank you again for having us on. Oh, yeah, this is awesome. And um, remember to be kind. Rewind. <laughs> <laughs>Hey, everybody. What's up? I'm here, too. We are the Jersey Ghouls, a horror podcast based out of the Garden State. Join us on Jersey Ghouls for Marissa's scholarly conversations. By the way, if you Google psycho female, you definitely don't get the name of the actress from Psycho. Join us on Jersey Ghouls for Nate's thrilling debate. Why? Why are you so resistant against because it? Because don't, don't you start. Join us on Jersey Ghouls for Jackie's love of 80s slasher movie, Topless Seat. Whoa, Jackie, this is a feminist podcast. I know. I'm a woman. And as a woman, I appreciate a nice set of jugs. Okay, but you shouldn't call them jugs. Hooters? Bazungas? Tatas? Dirty uh, pillows? I, I like boobs, too. Can, can I call them fun bags? No! We're the Jersey Ghouls. You can find us on social media by searching Jersey Ghouls on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also find our blog and podcast on our website, jerseyghouls.com. <laughs>